Welcome to another episode of The Key Lies Within. Yay! Here I share the inner workings of thoughts and experiences I have or am going through as a form of therapy and a creative outlet for self, as well as discovering those conscious and unconscious happenings in an effort to create awareness. If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I like to do is save every day until eternity passes away. So the ideal of time in a bottle is to me preserving uh, certain times to reflect on and kind of put it in a vacuum. And so for me, seeing how I impact the my surroundings would be a cool way to reflect and see how uh, when I say stuff, when I enter a room, when I react or act to certain things, how the world around me responds, uh, either in microaggressions or positivity. Uh, it would be cool to see um, how the world not re- revolves around me in a sense, not being self-centered, but how it's... Uh, operating around me and because I'm just a person that makes effort in my daily life to be considerate of what's going on around me and still operate in the space of making sure that I'm taken care of so I'm super intentional about the space I occupied and what I bring to that space because I don't ever want to be in a space and I'm in a sense destroying that moment to the surroundings and the surroundings can be uh any living thing it can be vegetation it can be people in itself it can be uh making uh it could be systems you know I just want to be so intentional and being impactful within myself and within the world around me. And but it's such a great area because that can that leaves me sometimes in a space of uh, overthinking things, uh, putting myself in like an anxiety stricken mode because I'm just overthinking it and I'm like kind of rewinding certain things that may have stood out to me in a day. It could be something somebody said that uh, didn't, I really, that really didn't sit with me well. And it's kind of on replay until I figure out some type of outlet of processing it. So I feel that would be a good capture of time to reflect back on and kind of preserve. Like if I can preserve every moment I have, even this moment now just sitting on a sofa and how I'm interacting with the air that's flowing in uh, in and around me, you know? And so a second thing that would be cool to kind of preserve in a bottle and look back on is like the, uh, the, the, the demise or not even the demise, but the uh, different events and culture structures that 
were very impactful in this time, but exist in a time either when I wasn't born, I was too young, or uh, simply something I just didn't attend. And, um, and um, yeah, so if I can go back and kind of be like a fly on a wall to those experiences, especially the experiences in my hometown of New Orleans, uh, such as um, Punch and Train Beach. There used to be a beach on uh, along Lake Pontchartrain, and it was it was there. It had two locations, but majority of its existence, it was on Lake Pontchartrain along Lake Pontchartrain. But it was it existed for years, and it was like a it had a they had built a beach, they had rides. And it was just a attraction for the local people. And I'm sure outside people were attracted to it too. But that would be so cool just to be a fly on a wall and see how people interacted with each other back then. How they had fun. How they made fun out of those things. Um, because pretty much my closest to what uh, Punch a Train Beach was is the uh let's say like a blend between blue bayou and uh jazz land or it later became uh six flags here in new orleans you know i used to have so much fun at that place like it uh, especially uh six flags like the summer of 2004 uh my brother and my cousins we all got season passes because we had went to astro world that summer and so between that summer and the next summer, which the Hurricane Katrina ended up hitting the next summer, but uh, when Six Flags was open, we was there like clockwork. We was there and <laughs> riding the same rides, but, you know, having different experiences every time, like, you know, kind of finding humor out of the little things like the the car ride from Six Flags or or one time I lost a flip-flop at Six Flags and I was, one of my feet was bare. And um, uh, just one time I remember there was a big roller coaster called, I think, the Zephyr. And um remember going on that and once I got to the top, I had a full bladder. So I'm like, oh my gosh, now I got to ride this ride with a full bladder and I don't know how I made it out without, <laughs> I guess just the, just the, uh, just my focus went to the ride and how that was, you know, going up and down, took my mind away from it. But I was like, dang, bad enough, you know, I had to get up the nerve to even get on this ride in the first place. And then this happens. <laughs> and, um, different, um. Oh, and then there used to be, I can't remember the name of it, but it was it was some type of fair that was along the Mississippi River. Um, and they had, it was a really big fair. It took up much of the space around where uh, part of the convention center lies now in um, uh, Mardi Gras world, like in that area, if I'm not mistaken. And then one of the big things was they brought this this cart, like kind of like a, uh, 
I don't even know the name. Like when you go to uh, skiing stuff like that, and little in the little cart that that rides you in the air on the cables, they had one of those. So, you know, things like that where, you know, in my childhood, I really wasn't, they really, some of that stuff they didn't really have. I think they have fair, they've always had fairs here, but nothing like grand, like, you know, I've heard that described too. And, um, yeah, that would have been cool to see. And then, uh, growing up, there was a grocery store here called Swag swagman's and you know they had it was a really big grocery store and it went out of business i think when i was a baby but you know here in new orleans i don't know if it's other people i don't know if i pay attention enough to really notice but what other people from other places but we find great nostalgia from from places and structures you know kind of like what those what those what memories those places invoke uh and and it's not so much of like uh the place just being a great place but you know new orleanians have a way of of finding great memory in places so i think that would have been cool just just because of just hearing you know people you know saying swagman's this you know swagman's that and um I don't know. Uh, and uh, and another thing that I've been thinking about is like, uh, where did the change come? On uh, what point did it change where my community started operating less of a community and became divided? And um this bottom of the barrel concept came about even though you you, you infam infamously hear uh the bottom the crab at the bottom of the barrel but crabs naturally don't live in barrels but i guess the barrel come in when they get caught i don't know that i gotta look up that concept but i do know the bottom of the barrel concept is pretty much it's like uh, the ideal that you pretty much have to climb over your brethren or your sister, sisterin to gain opportunity and you only gain the opportunity by, you know, crushing them in a sense versus everybody being able to find opportunity where they're gravitated to. So it would be, it'd be very interesting to see like what changed and what laws started to shift that because you know I always hear about how uh in the 60s like coming into the 70s is kind of when you started seeing a dismantle of a black family as far as it being the norm of there being a mother and a father in a home raising their children in the same home and it was a uh, government laws that started to shift that and uh the women's liberation because even is is a beautiful thing for us as women to have liberation and to know our value and not be um and know that we're not just useful for a man's disposal 
but the woman's liberation movement was not designed for black women. It was designed for white women and they being tired of being under white men's thumb. And so in that process, we as black women lost our rock because, you know, the movement that was tailored to them, you know, you know, they spread that message to us, but it, it was spread in a way of dismantling because those, uh, some of those women, uh, liberated and stuff like that. But a lot of them still probably go either, either they go home to a woman in some cases, you know, or some of them go home to a husband. But, you know, when they speak their rhetoric, they speak it as if you can't be a liberated woman and be in a relationship or be in a partnership or raise a family in the same home with a man. That's like the, they don't, the messaging of it, it gets, it gets so, it, it it's not applicable to black women, I feel. And so, you know, you have things like that that started happening around them times that started to break the, the black family. And then as time goes on, you know, you have women raising sons and some men not wanting to be a part of the children's lives or even, you know, they just live outside of the home. And, you know, you, to be honest, you become less impactful when you, when you live outside of the home with a child because, you know, it, it's like that day-to-day that helps build who that person is. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I feel it's more effective if you're in-house. Because you just think about the relationship children have with their in-house parent versus if they have an out-of-house parent, that parent that lives not in the house with them. So I just would like to kind of go back, even seal that in a bottle and kind of look at it from like a bird's eye view and see where did, uh, where did the shift started to happen where, you know, we we being the strong creative people that we are that and community based people and it just kind of disappears you know because it was a time where you know like if if i mis misbehave and um i misbehave not me per se but if a child misbehaves and uh And, like, okay, the, the whole ideal of a village, you know, somebody's always looking out for your kid, you know, even when you're not around. And so we've lost, we, we lost that village because I'm thinking now, like, in the neighborhood I live in, you know, it's a mixed neighborhood. But if I, once I have children, I don't, these, these people won't look out for my kids and I don't look out for anybody else's kids. I don't even know my neighbors, you know, none of them. And so, you know, that whole ideal of a community in a village is just dismantled and, you know, wondering when that happened. And then even parents being at odds, you know, I do know people are not going to always agree about things, but it's important to have a ignited front, united front with your children. So they know that no matter what, uh, no matter what happens, you know, your parents going to always be a united front. And so, you know, we do have cases where 
the parents are at odds and the kids know that they're at odds so they play that they 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 play their hand at that and it's just you know crazy how systems can change can have so much effect on your personal life and your ability to earn livable wages and things like that how a governmental system has so much control in your private life it's is crazy and um that would be interesting to kind of know when that shift started happen happening and um and um the last thing that i would like to see still in a bottle to observe be a fly on the wall or bird's eye view how much is unnoticed to me that affects my day-to-day life and so, like, in, in my friends and family and loved ones, like, when we are operating on a daily basis, what are the factors? Like, you know, like, science, you have force, you have uh, inertia, you have momentum, you have things, different forces and things acting on uh, an object at rest, and in emotion and things like that. So I would just be curious to everything, like the unseen that's just affecting my day-to-day life. Like, for instance, like I'm a little, uh, perfect example, like I'm a little stuffed up and it's because uh, the AC ran all night and I slept under a fan. So you know, the air is unseen, but the air has impacted how I'm sounding now, how I sound a little nasally. That's crazy. But I hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, I hope it will uh, it will help you to think about what you would like to preserve in a bottle. What, you know, time is constant, so what will be uh, events, uh, feelings, um, observations that you would like to seal in a bottle to always, if, if you have the chance, to always be able to go back to that memory and evoke those feelings that it gave you either positive, negative, Repelling. I like to use repelling or uh, kind of like the forces. A repelling energy or um, what's the other word? Accepted energy versus using negative and positive or good and bad, like uh, spectrum based uh, terminology. But um, yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of the key of the key lies within. Oh, bye. Welcome. <laughs> 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 Just. <laughs> <laughs>